This year has been crazy. It has absolutely been crazy. We have COVID and quarantine and race riots and fires that are breaking out all across California and peaceful protests. <laughs> and, um, and national elections and power outages and crashing economies. We have Marxism on the rise in America. We have defunding the police and our churches are being attacked. And that's just to name a few this morning. Not to mention the things that you're personally going through like relationship issues and job issues and, and uh, issues with your kids and issues with the finances and issues with the health and on and on and on. And this morning, whenever, whenever I sat down and tried to really think and pray about what I was going to say, I realized something that, <laughs> that we were kind of surrounded by everything. It kind of reminds me of that soldier that ran to his commanding officer, and the commanding officer said, soldier, report. And the soldier said, sir, I'm reporting that we are surrounded on all sides. The commanding officer looked around and smiled. He said, good, now we can begin firing in all directions. (laughs) So this morning, whatever you're going through, we got an altar for you. (laughs) And look out, because I'm going to be firing in all directions. So I'm about to to break it out. I, I, I feel... Like I need to remind some folks this morning that God has called us to have faith over fear in our lives. I need to say that again because somebody somebody didn't hear me. God has called us to have faith over fear in our lives. That's right. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what? Love of Power and love and of a sound mind. That's right. So just as Paul was trying to encourage a, a young preacher that was that had all the training and was anointed by the Holy Spirit to preach his, his message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, but whenever he got to it, he froze up and he was scared and he was timid and he was afraid. And he was trying to encourage him in that moment. Hey. Timothy, don't lock up. Don't be frozen. God has not given you a spirit of fear. I feel like the Lord is saying, I didn't create you to be afraid. I created you to boldly proclaim the love that I have for other people. I have placed it in you. His love drives out every fear, the Word of God tells us. And so many people are so afraid this this morning of the giants that they face So I want to tell you that we must trust Jesus with our giants. Look at somebody and say, trust Jesus with your giants. Come on, I'm going to give you a chance to do that again because somebody needs to wake up in here. Trust Jesus with your giants. Amen. Amen. So today, we live in a day that has, it's never been more clear in all of our lives to trust the Lord and his word. It's never been more clear in all of our lives to know him because the Bible promises, his word promises us that when we stand on him, that we are unshakable. But it also says that when we don't stand on him, that that the rains will pour and the winds will blow and we'll get shaken apart. And I want to tell you this morning that 
that life right now in the United States, here in Yukon, in Oklahoma City, in Piedmont, in the surrounding metro area, that we are being shaken by everything that hell would try to throw at us. And if you are not standing on his word, then you're going to be filled with fear. So we must stand up against things that are clearly against his word. We have to stand up against things that are clearly against the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so easy this morning to stand up against things like an abortion. It's easy to stand up against things like broken homes and marriages. It's easy to stand up against a culture that would try to, that, that, that would try to steal the innocence of our children. The enemy says that there is no such thing as truth, but truth is is actually relative to the person. It's easy to stand up against that this morning. It's easy to stand up against the enemy that would say it's okay to light a store on fire, but it's not okay to go to church and pray that God would send the fire down. Amen? And so this morning, it's easy. It's crystal clear in our lives. There's two directions that you and I can take. We can take the directionality of the Word of God and stand on His Word. Or we can go the way of the rest of the world and try to figure it out ourselves. Beloved, I want to tell you something this morning. The choice has never been more easy. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Our God wants to do something in our lives. See, other people are afraid of the giants. So they can't live the life that God has for them to live. But I want you to know that you don't have to be afraid. If you listen to this message this morning, you can face your giants and so you can live the life that God has called you to live. Amen? Heavenly Father, I ask God that you would be here in this place and open our hearts and our lives to receive your word, Lord Jesus, that you would somehow embolden us, Lord, in our spirits. Give us courage, Lord, to face every giant in our life and to proclaim your love and your victory over every battle. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. If you would, turn into your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you're following along in version in your Bible app, all you have to do is, is click on uh, more and go to events there in the little menu, and you can find Christ's legacy if your location services are on. You'll be able to follow along with us right there. We're going to be reading out of the New King James Version this morning because sometimes the old New King James and the New King James is just fine with me. <laughs> so before we go into it, uh, many of you uh, are probably very familiar with this story. You've grown up all your lives hearing about David and Goliath. David and Goliath. As a matter of fact, it's such a familiar story that it has turned into a sports analogy. It's an archetype in our, in our society, in our culture. We hear the term David and Goliath, and we don't necessarily immediately go back to the Word of God because we can say David and Goliath, and we immediately realize that it's, it's a giant versus somebody little. It's, it's a big corporation against the small business. It's the really powerful team against that little middle school team that's going to play them. It's the, it, it, it's the strong man against the weak man. And we can see that through all, all society. But, but today, I want to take you right to the Word of God where that archetype is, 
is found. In, in 1 Samuel 17, let me, let me fill us in on a little background before we dive directly into the story. Samuel has found, uh, heard from the Lord that Saul is not the anointed king any longer, and he has called Samuel, God has called Samuel to go and anoint a king. He goes to the house of Jesse, and he goes through seven brothers before he gets to the final brother, David. And David was the youngest. He was out in the field, and he hears the voice of the Lord say, anoint him. He is the anointed one. And so Samuel takes that horn of oil, and he anoints him, representing the Holy Spirit as it pours down. Nowadays, we kind of have it easy when we come to the, down to the altar, because when we get anointed with oil, we have a little dabble, do you? You know? <laughs> Just on the finger and praise the Lord, and you just touch them, and then, and then you pray because it's kind of weird to have your finger on the, somebody's head for a long time. You know, back in the old day, we used to do that. We put the finger on the head, and we just kept it there like Chinese water torture or something like that. But, but, but back in the old day, they would have a horn of oil, and they'd pour it over, and it would come down and roll down their face, through their hair, through their beard, onto their clothes. It, they would look like they just bathed in oil, and it represents something. I'm not saying that we ought to go back to that and do that today, but there was a representation of that. It represented the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit that would come on you, and you would be baptized in Him. I want to tell you today that we're a Pentecostal church that believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit can surround you and overcome you and be able to control and, and have his way in our life when you allow him to. And I want to encourage each and every person to make that a prayer in your life for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe me, if you're not sure this morning you're joining us online, I, I challenge you, make that a prayer this morning in your life for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so David is anointed with oil, but he goes directly out and he, and he attends the sheep out in the fields. He goes back to the ordinary, even though he's been through the extraordinary. There's a message there, but I don't want to go there this morning because my time is limited. And we fast forward a little while later, and we find three of David's brothers out on the front lines of Saul's army. And what has happened is, is the Philistine army has begun to, to sneak up on the Israelites. And so they have encroached into sections of Judah. And they found themselves encamped against the Israelite army uh, in, in a place called Sokah. It's a, it's a hill that kind of is kind of like an Oklahoma mountain, you know. It's kind of a hill where you can overlook a deep valley, the Valley of Ella. And on the other side of that valley, we see the Israelite army uh, in Shereem. And they have lined up in full battle array against the Philistine army. But in between them, in this valley, there was a deep stream in some times through the year. In, in, the, in the wartime, whenever everything was nice, all, it was all green, and the, the mountains were beginning to drain the water off. The, this valley would come alive with a stream that would flow through it. And it caused a little problem whenever 
They were facing off with each other because it was a natural barrier, a natural border. And so if, if, one, if the Philistine army decided that they wanted to attack the Israelite army, all the Israelites would have to do is stay up on their hill, and the, Isra- the Philistines would come down and have to cross the stream. And immediately when they would cross the stream, they would start up on the other side and have to face all of Israel's archers before they would even begin to engage in battle. It was an automatic no-go. And for the Israelites, it was much the same way. They would have to go down, go through the stream, and begin to come up the other side and face the Philistine archers. And so it forced a military standoff where each army would face each other, and they could hear and they could see each other the whole time. In full battle array, the Bible tells us that they, they faced each other every day for 40 days. The Philistines realizing their disadvantage, but the, their mutual disadvantage, decided that they would, which is uncommon back in the day, send out a single soldier to fight the fight on behalf of all armies. They decided that they would do a one-on-one contest. And so they sent out what the Bible records as their champion, Goliath. Somebody say Goliath. That's right, Goliath. Uh, Goliath the, uh, the Gittite. This, this name, like many names in the Bible, represents and means something very substantial. And I need everybody to hear this because this is a very important, important part of the message. His name, Goliath, comes from a Hebrew word called gala. And this word gala meaning to uncover or remove. To uncover or remove. You see, the giant faced the Israelites, and his intention was to uncover their weakness, to uncover them from God, to uncover their fears. He was the uncoverer. And he came down and he challenged these Israelite people, these soldiers. I wonder how many people this morning are are facing a giant that has uncovered something about you. You faced a giant, and you learned a little bit of something about you and your relationship with the Lord. You realized that you, you, you thought you were controlled by the Holy Spirit, but really you're controlled by, by your fears. You, you thought that you were in control of yourself, but you realized that you were actually controlled by your limitations. You thought you were in control, but you realized that you were actually controlled by your inability to, 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 to maneuver, your inability to, to have the wor- right words or the right vision in your life. You thought you were in control, but you realized that you a- were actually controlled by your financial situation. You thought you were in control, but you realized that you were actually controlled by your boss. You thought you were in control, but you realized that your spouse was in control. Just look straight ahead. Don't worry about it. I wonder what else, what other giants that we face. You see, make no mistake, Goliath was real. He was strong. The Bible tells us that Goliath was over, some ways over nine foot tall. Six cubits in a span was actually about nine foot six inches. The Bible tells us that, that he had this incredible 
battle armament, we can read uh, what he looks like in, in passages later on in chapter 17. But needless to say, he was an impressive soldier. And he faced down the Israelites. What's facing you down this morning? Is it alcoholism or chemical uh, dependency? Is it anxiety or depression or divorce or finances? Is it family issues or pornography or employer or parenting? This morning, we all face giants. Many of us are facing many giants at the same time. And I want you to know that your giant tells you just about who you are and, and it wishes to uncover something in your life. These giants in people's lives can create fear in the heart, even of a believer. But I want you to know that we have an adversary, the devil. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. What is the enemy trying to uncover in you? What is he trying to uncover? Well, I want you to know that David was a man after God's own heart. And when he walked into the battlefield that day and he saw what was going on, something was uncovered in him too. God's word is true. These next three things that I want to share with you, uh, these things are true in David's life and they can be true in your life as well. The first thing I want to share with you is that David stepped out when others sat out. Somebody say, step out. 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to pick up in verse 8, if you would read along with us. Then he stood and cried out, meaning Goliath, to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and your servants are Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight me and kill me, then... We will be your servants, but if I prevail against him and kill him, you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of, the, of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I feel like I, I want to... I want to point out something this morning to you that, that for 40 days, Goliath would walk out and issue these charges to the Israelite soldiers. And he wasn't just mocking the soldiers. He mocked the soldiers. He mocked the king. But ultimately, he was mocking God. I wonder if there's some people that that have already gone out to face their giants and you lost to them. Maybe you were scared to face them at first and so you didn't. And for 40 days or 40 weeks or 40 months and maybe some of you for 40 years, that same old giant has come at you with that tired threat and has worn you out. Maybe one time you sent somebody out. Maybe one time you stepped out and decided that you were going to face that giant. And because you were operating in your own ability, he put you into the ground. And you learned your lesson and you said, I'll never do that again. 
I know my place. I know where I'm supposed to be. And you became a slave to whatever that giant was in your life. And you've just learned that you're going to have to live with the limitation that has been set before you. But God has not called us to be a people that live enslaved. God has not called us to be a people with limitation in our life in those ways, in those areas. God has called us to be a people that have been freed by him. See, you can live your life comfortable in dysfunction. Think about that for a moment. As you walk through your life, you can begin to be familiar with dysfunction. And sooner or later, that dysfunction just sounds like a normal part of everyday life. Your boss uses God's name in vain. Your professor mocks Christianity. Your spouse makes fun of you for the prayer time that you have. Maybe it's in the music that you listen to or, or your habits that you have just begun to make it such a part of who you are and what you do that you realize a part of you mocks the Lord, but there's nothing that you can really do about it. You've tried before, and you've failed, and you've fallen into a state of dysfunction that has become normal. I want you to know that the term new normal is a term from the pit of hell. We're not called to be a normal people. We're called to be a free people. We don't have to live with dysfunction. And something great happened that day. You see, David hadn't been living within the dysfunction of the Israelite army. For 40 days, Goliath stood out in that valley of Elah, which means the field of blood or the bloody place. And he challenged somebody to come and die. But David didn't hear any of those challenges. He didn't get used to hearing the mocking. He, he, he didn't get used to everybody walking around in fear. And so when David went out there, he heard it one time, and he got mad. <laughs> he got mad at what he was hearing. He got mad at what he was seeing. He said, are, are you kidding me? What's going on with everybody? Why is everybody afraid of this guy? What, what, did, the, what did the king promise us if we had beat him? If we'd kill him, we'd get what? We'd get his daughter's hand in marriage. We, 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 would get, we would get money. We'd get wealth. We would get free from taxation. Are you kidding me? Where, where do you sign up? And he began to talk about this so much that it, would, it created a stir on the front lines. As a matter of fact, he, he talked about it so much that Eliab, his, his oldest brother, turned around and said, What are you doing here? I know your wicked heart. I know how conceited you are. You're just here to watch the battle. Isn't it funny how whenever God speaks to us and when we, get, when we have something in our spirit that wants to rise up, even a brother in Christ <laughs> turns around and says, what are you doing? Isn't it funny how, how Satan can even use people in our church to dissuade us from making our stand? Isn't it funny how, how Satan can try to distract us from what the real battle is? Think about what would have happened if, if David had been standing there and in, instead of facing Goliath, he faced down his older brother Eliab. And he said, well, what, what do you mean? And he began to argue with him about being there. 
But the Bible says that, that David did something really unique and very important that I want us all to catch. It tells us that David said, what do you mean, can't I even talk? And then he turned around. He turned around and he began to ask his same questions to other people. I wonder if there's somebody this morning that you've been talking to that has been filling your head with, I can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. I wonder if you need to turn around and start talking to somebody else in your life. I, I wonder if you need to begin to hear a different message being played in your life. I wonder who you're surrounding yourself with to encourage you and uphold you in the word of God and what God wants to speak into your life. Because just because they're a part of the armies of the Lord doesn't mean that they're part of your inner circle. Doesn't mean that they have the message that God has for you this morning. And David turned around and began to talk to somebody else. He said, who does this guy think he is making fun of Israel, making fun of God, making fun of God's army? No place for that. Sign me up. I wonder, I wonder if you remember what it was like when you first got saved. What it was like before you got discouraged, before you faced the giants and failed. What was it like when you had so much passion and fire inside of yourself that you knew that you had been set free, that you had been bought by a price, with a price? What happened whenever, whenever you knew that God had your back, that not, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and you could walk in anywhere and do anything because you knew that God was on your side. I wonder what that person would, would tell the person that you are today. I wonder, I wonder what words that your former self, the, the, the newly saved self, would tell you sitting there in the pew today. How, what encouragement would that person offer? You see, here's the thing. David was apart from those other men. He, he decided something. He, he decided that he was going to step out when others decided to sit out. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32 says, Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. <laughs> Remember what happened whenever, whenever Saul spoke to David and said, but, but David, you're, you're only a boy. You're only a boy. I, I wonder what somebody else has said to you. <laughs> but, but you're only high school educated. You, you can't do that. But, 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 but you live over there. That, that, that's not what you do over there. <laughs> Don't you know who your family is? Don't you remember where you came from? That, that's only... That's only for privileged people. That's only for people that make more money. That, that's only for people that are better educated. That's only for people. And the list goes on. But you're only a boy. But David's response to that, that, well, this only boy has only killed a bear and only killed a lion. And in God's name, I'm only going to kill a giant. That's right. Saul... Saul decided that he was going to dress him in the armor, in his armor. And this was likely because Saul, you see, was, 
larger than most every other Israelite. The Bible tells us that Saul stood head and, uh, head and shoulders above everybody else. And so when Goliath was challenging the Israelites, Goliath stood a direct challenge to King Saul. It was almost a, a sure thing that Saul should have been the one that would go out and fight. And as Saul began to try to dress David, it's almost like some scholars would say that Saul was trying to convince everybody else that it was him that was going out to fight the battle. Did you know that some pastors are afraid to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ today? And, and they would want you to go out and, and do what they are unwilling to do. Try to dress you in armor so that you can go out and fight the battle instead of them. But I want you to know that God has called each and every one of us to go and fulfill our commitment to him. So as David took that armor off and said, this is not me, he decided to do something else. He, he decided that he was going to go and do what he knew he could do with what he knew he had. Revelations reminds the believers that we are saved by the blood of the Lamb, number one, and by the word of our testimony. By the word of our testimony. I, I wonder if, if some of y'all that believe in Jesus haven't been delivered from the giants that you're facing because, because you've forgotten what God has brought you through before. I, I wonder if the word of David's testimony wasn't there, that he forgot about those that lion, or if he forgot about that bear, if God would have been able to deliver him from that giant, or if Saul would have been able to talk him out of it. Well, what has God delivered you from? Can you answer that question for yourself? Has God healed you? Has God raised you? Has God delivered you from situations? Has God delivered your kids? Have you prayed and sought God and you've seen God's awesome hand at work in your life? Sometimes the Bible tells us that we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. I want you to know that God wants you to encourage yourself, remind yourself that we are his. I don't want us to be sitting out because we are waiting for God to step out when God is waiting for us to make the first move. But that's not the only thing. We're not just supposed to step out. David spoke up when others shut up. Somebody say, Speak up. I'm trying. <laughs> Do I have anybody in here that is uh, afraid of conflict? You're conflict avoiders? Anybody? Yeah, you're afraid to raise your hand because you're afraid it's going to end in a conflict, aren't you? Yeah, we've got some conflict avoiders in this place. <laughs> I, I, I'm a conflict avoider. I, I understand. I, I learned at an early age that my words have a tendency to get me in trouble. I can't imagine that. But I learned this lesson at an early age, and so what... What I decided to do is begin to hold my tongue, and that has helped me a lot. See, growing up, I, I learned a, a phrase. Uh, it, it's, if you don't have something nice to say, don't. Anybody else learned that in, in here? Because <laughs> I learned that when I said something that wasn't nice, I got hit. <laughs> and, and so, so I kind of lived my life like that. But whenever I got married, I, I, I realized that that was not just kind of true. It was really true. It was true, baby. <laughs> See, I, I'm the kind of person that, that uh, I, I struggle with what to say in the moment. And so I walk away, and 20 minutes later, I figure out what to, what to say and what to. Th I, 
That's just who I am. But, but I realized that the longer you've been married, the shorter your responses actually end up getting. You know what I'm saying? So the other day I was, I was in a restaurant. I was there picking up some food to go. And I was waiting there for about 10 minutes. I saw the, a couple of couples sitting there. There was a, in one booth, there was this uh, younger couple. In an older booth, there was an older couple. And I, I, I just kind of pick up on these things. I noticed these things. This younger couple, boy, they were excited to be together. They were just talking back and forth. They were laughing. And I looked at that guy, and then I looked at that girl, and I could read some of that stuff in that girl, what was going on in that girl. I was like, look out, guy. It's a trap. It's a trap. Run. Shut her down. He, he didn't get it. <laughs> and, like, all of a sudden, like, he was just still laughing and talking, and she just was quiet. Just, just quiet. And, and things didn't turn out very, very good for him. I looked over here at this other booth, and I noticed this older couple had been sitting there. I don't think they said a word the whole time, but watch this. They were both smiling. Yeah, just eating, just smiling. I don't know. They're probably, I think they're probably listening to what was going on in that other booth, and they were like, yeah, remember that? Yeah, that's why we don't talk anymore. <laughs> but we avoid conflict sometimes because we have trained ourselves that sometimes when we begin to speak, we get ourselves in trouble. So we just don't speak out anymore. But some of us have trained ourselves to keep the peace when we should be speaking out against the giant. See, we've, we've forgotten that there are times as a Christian that it is impossible to hold your peace. There are times as a Christian that we must Begin to speak out against the giants in our lives. Let me give you three things really quickly. Three signs that you need to speak out against the giants in your lives. Anytime the giant begins to mock God, that's a sign that you need to begin to speak out in faith. Anytime that the giant begins to speak out against godly leaders in your life, you need to begin to speak out against that giant. Anytime that the giant begins to mock the, fam mock the family of God, you need to begin to speak out against that giant. I want you to know there are times in your life where you must stand up and you must step out and you must speak up. 1 Samuel chapter 17, 42 says this, And when the Philistines looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. Let me just stop right there and say, there's a lot of people in here that can identify with David right now. Amen? Only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. I hate that when people disdain me for that. It's a, it's a challenge in life. There's a lot of laughter. Um, I need to mark that in there in the notes. Uh, so the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come at, with me, at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me. And I will give you your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. How many times in your life have you stepped out in faith? But when that giant opened his mouth and gave you that same old tired threat, you froze up, you locked down, and you just walked back in line. You're ready to speak to that giant. You're ready to fight. But for some reason, 
you didn't have the words to fight with. Kind of like that guy that would try to come up with something in the moment, but you just didn't have the words to say. And 20 minutes later, you said, I should have said this. This morning, if you fill your life with the Word of God, if you bathe your heart and your mind with the Word of God, then the Bible tells us that we shouldn't worry about what to say whenever it's time, but the Word of God will sit up within us and give us the words to say and the power and the courage to speak them with. This morning, if you're struggling with what to speak to your giant, I want you to know that all you have to do is open up the Word of God and begin to read, and and the giant will instantly Get scared because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. You see, he said, that giant said that that you were nothing, that you were nobody. Your husband said that he'd leave you if you kept trying to go to church. Your kids say that that they're so mad, so angry with you, they're so tired of you that they don't want you to begin to talk about Jesus anymore. But because you have forgotten what it's like to stand up and speak out and you've become accustomed to the way things are, you've just decided that this is easier doing it the way there is. But I want you to know that David didn't do that. He got angry and he began to speak up when others shut up. Verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give your carcass to the camp of the Philistines, to the bird of the air, and to the beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God of Israel. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Church family, it's time. It's time that we begin to stand up and begin to speak to the giants in our life, reminding the giant who is in charge it's God. It's God. First John chapter 4, verse 4 says, You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I just wish I had some people in this place that would remember that. I, I, I wish that we knew that the battle belongs to the Lord. See, I finally want to tell you this, that the battle that David was not afraid to battle when others were rattled. Being in the military for three and a half years now, I've picked up a little uh, military jargon, army jargon. And as I sat and I wrote, I realized that there's most of it I can't even say. I'm not allowed to say those things. <laughs> but there is one thing that I can repeat, and it says uh, there's something called battle rattle, full battle rattle. And that speaks to... That speaks to all the gear on you at once, ready for battle. All the gear that you have, ready to go. And these soldiers lined up in full battle array, in full gear, ready to fight. But they were filled with fear. Meanwhile, David lined up with none of that. David wasn't trained to operate in that gear. That's why he cast it off. 
David was trained as a shepherd with a staff, with a sling, with a rock, with a bag. And as he walked through that stream to face Goliath, he picked up a few rocks, five rocks. Scholars believe that he only picked up one rock for Goliath. The other four were for Goliath's brothers because David intended on killing the whole family. All the giants, not just one of them. He walked across, he faced Goliath in that field. Goliath was all geared up. He was ready to go. Many of us constantly use the excuses in our lives. I, I would go, I would face the giant, but I'm not ready, I'm not prepared. I, I don't have the right gear, I don't have the right education, I don't have the right finances, I'm not in the right position. All these excuses. But I want to remind you that David didn't worry about any of it. He was ready to battle because he believed that the Lord provided him everything that he needed. Notice that David did not go out with a sword, but with a sling and a staff. 1 Samuel chapter 17 starting in verse 48. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistines. <laughs> David didn't walk. He didn't wait for the, the giant to come to him. He ran towards him because he was confident. And David began to whirl that stone in the air with a sling. David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone and he slung it before he was in range of the giant. Did you know that, that even though that giant had a spear, that giant still couldn't have hit David? He was out of range. That God has equipped you with everything that you need to take down that giant. And it struck the Philistine in the forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell to his face to the earth. It wasn't about the money, the training, the equipment. It wasn't about the friends in high places. In the end, it was about one man being obedient to the Lord, stepping out, speaking up, and going to battle, knowing that God had his back that God was going to have the victory. But the story doesn't end there. You see, church, the story says, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Somebody say, no sword. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath and killed him and cut off, cut off his head with it. Did you catch that? That David didn't have a sword, but David drew Goliath's sword and cut Goliath's head off. I, I think somebody needs to hear this this morning, that, that you may not have had the weapon to defeat the enemy, but by the end of the battle, you will have the weapon to defeat the enemy of your life. I think somebody needs to hear that Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. 
And each and every one of us may know that passage of Scripture, but what many of us don't realize is the verse 16 that comes before when when God says, Behold, I have created, meaning God, the blacksmith, who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth the instrument of his work, and I have created the spoil to destroy the destroyer. See, God is standing there and he's saying, you may be afraid of the giant and his weapon, but who do you think created the giant? And who do you think created his weapon? There is no weapon formed against you that shall prosper. Notice that the Bible never says that there's no weapon that will be formed against you. There's weapons formed against you all the time. But you don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to allow anxiety to build up in your life because the weapons that are formed against you will not prosper against you. Would you stand with me all over this place? Hallelujah. We serve an awesome God here at Christ's Legacy Church. Hallelujah. This morning you've come here and you're facing a giant in your life and you realize that you're facing a giant. You realize that you've tried to go out there and you've tried to face this giant down many, many times and you have not been able to. Maybe you've been filled with fear and so you didn't even want to step out. Maybe you stepped out but you froze and you didn't know what to speak to your giant. Maybe, just maybe, You tried to fight the battle, but you were afraid that you didn't have the weapon. I've got news for you. Our God will supply every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's created you to be more than a conqueror. And all you have to do is be willing and be obedient to his call this morning. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Heavenly Father, we're surrounded, Lord, by your presence and by your spirit in this place. I ask that your Holy Spirit would move upon our hearts and our lives. Open us up, God, to be vulnerable to you, to listen and be obedient to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I'm not going to call you, I'm not going to ask you to come down, but I just simply want you to slip up your hand and say, Pastor John, I'm facing a giant in my life right now. I need the Lord to help me. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Hallelujah. Wow. Hands are going up. Wow. Wow. Hands are going up all over the... Come on, raise your hand and just show somebody else that you're... Would you just look look up right now with your hands raised in the air? Just look up and look around. If there's somebody with a hand raised right now, I I, I just want you to extend your hands towards them right now. We're going to, as a church, believe that God is going to meet you in that place of that giant, in that valley of Elah in your life. Let's begin to pray, church. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We know, God, that you're moving in this place. And Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you're calling us to step out, to speak out, and to begin to battle. So Lord, I pray, God, for those people that have hands uplifted, ready and willing, God, to be obedient to your word. Lord, that you would empower them with a supernatural courage to once again face that giant and know that everything is going to be okay because you are with us. You're with us this morning. Hallelujah. I praise your name. I thank you, Lord, for being a mighty God. I thank you, Lord, for doing this in us and among us and through us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus.
thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Oh, church, I know that the Lord wants to do something in this place that's so special. This morning, if you, the prayer partners would come out, step down here. We want to, we're a church that believes in the power of prayer. If this morning you're here and you would like somebody to meet with you and pray with you, we want to invite you, encourage you just to step out and meet them down here. We want to pray with each one of you if you'd like to. But we also, we also believe that God has called each and every one of you to your families, to your jobs, to your community. I know that there are some giants that you're facing. But church, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. There's never been a more important time to step up, step out and face those giants. Amen? Amen.